This morning, I want to talk to you a little bit about uh, some things. I, I saw a t-shirt, and it kind of sparked my interest, and it kind of captivated me, and it, it kind of inspired the sermon this morning. And it was a t-shirt, and I don't know what was on the front side of the t-shirt, but I saw the back side of the t-shirt, and the guy was walking away, and it said this, the church has left the building. And I, so I thought that was kind of unique. And it made me think, what is the church? And I got to be honest with you, the first thing that jumped into my mind was Elvis Presley. Because I remember that phrase, Elvis has left the building. Have y'all ever heard that before? Now, I'm going to be honest and transparent this morning. Sometimes I do that in the service. Sometimes I confess things. So it's, it's, it's a dangerous introduction here. But I'm an Elvis fan. And in fact, if you go to my office at work, and if you just happen to look inside the little bathroom that they blessed me with, you will find an Elvis jumpsuit in there. Yes, I, ha I own an Elvis jumpsuit. In fact, I didn't buy the Elvis jumpsuit for myself. My wife actually bought me the Elvis jumpsuit. And sometimes, on occasion, uh, I have impersonated Elvis Presley. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> but Stacy and I were, in fact, married at Graceland. So I like Elvis. Some of, some of the gentlemen this morning uh, noticed this morning that I walked in with blue suede shoes. And they complimented me on my blue suede shoes this morning. Yes, I like Elvis. But that phrase, Elvis has left the building. The church has left the building. Elvis has left the building. That phrase started all the way back December 15th, 1956. Elvis has left the building. And you see, in that show in Shreveport, Louisiana... Elvis wasn't the headliner. He wasn't the closer. In fact, he was right in the middle of the bill. And if you can imagine having to follow Elvis Presley, can you imagine that if you're an entertainer, a musician, and Elvis goes on before you? And so the promoter said this, Elvis, I promise, has left the building. I've told you absolutely straight up to this point. You know that. He has left the building. He left the stage and went out back with the policeman and is now gone from the building. The phrase came about as a point of necessity for people to be able to calm down to get through the rest of the show. Elvis has left the building. So what does it mean for the church to leave the building. A lot of times people in their minds think of the church as the building itself. I'm going to church, right? But the church is not the building. No more than Elvis is a building. The church is actually His people. And we have been blessed here with a beautiful, beautiful building, church building. But its holiness is not in the edifice of the bricks but it's in the hearts of the believers who are worshiping God here this morning. The church 
is going to leave the building. Number one, because the church is the people of God. That's actually what the church is. And our building, it's a blessing of expediency. It's a, it's a resource. It's a means to accomplish certain aspects of the church's mission. You see, the church has been commanded to gather together. And so we have a wonderful place to gather together to worship God. We find that in the New Testament, the church didn't always have a building. In fact, they worshiped on the temple grounds on the outside of the temple. They weren't inside, they were outside of the temple. In fact, they, you could find the church in house to house. And you could find sometimes the church even worshiping beside the riverside. The church is not the building, but we have come here together to worship God. And that is a point of why we have this beautiful building, to be able to gather together to worship the Lord. Jesus says, the hour is coming and now is when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to, to worship Him. We want to come here together to worship God. To engage ourselves in the activity of encouraging one another and worshiping God. But this is just a building. In Acts chapter 2.42, it describes what Christians did. And it says this, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, in fellowship, and in breaking of bread, and in prayer. So we as Christians, we gather to continue on apostolic preaching, in fellowship, in breaking of bread, and in prayer together. And we need to come together. In fact, it says in Scripture, you don't want to forsake the assembling of yourselves, which is the manner of some but exhorting one another while it's called today. How can we encourage each other if we're not together? And the Bible says we need to do that. We need to gather. And we've been blessed. Have you ever heard of the, the phrase king for a day? I'm not talking about Elvis again. But there was a guy that was actually president for a day. Did you know that? President for one day. You see... James Polk, his last day in office was March 3rd, 1849, and Zachary Taylor was elected president. And so his day for inauguration was on March 4th, 1849. That just happened to fall on a Sunday. And guess what Zachary Taylor did? He refused to be inaugurated president of the United States because he had a previous engagement. He had to be at church. In fact, he said this, going to church was a higher priority than becoming president of the United States. Isn't that something? And so in lieu of that, there was a senator, Senator David Atkinson of Missouri, that was the interim president for one day while Zachary Taylor went to church. You think it's important to attend and worship and encourage one another? If Zachary Taylor thinks so, I do too. I want us to look at 1 Peter chapter 2 together, and it gives us this description of the church. Turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 2 and look at God's Word with me. If you've got a smartphone, you can pull it up that way too. But it gives this description of 
who and what the church is. And first of all, it describes the church in verse 4 and of Christ coming to Him. Coming to who? Coming to Christ as to a living stone rejected indeed by men but chosen by God and precious. The first description it gives is that there is this stone and that stone is Christ. And it says that Christ in that Greek word there is lithos. It's where we get our word monolithic or lithogram. And it's a stone that has been chosen for a particular special purpose in the building of something. And Christ is that stone. He is a special stone for the building. And it gives this description. He was rejected by men, but chosen by God and precious. Doesn't that describe who Jesus is? Men at the time of His ministry didn't accept Him on every corner. No, in fact, they hung Him on a cross. They rejected Him. He's called the man of sorrows. He was rejected. Even though He was rejected, He was chosen by God. And thus precious. You see, it's not always about what other people around you think. Some people will do you in. Some people will think all kinds of bad things about you. Some people might not agree with you. But if you live your life attuned to God's will... There's a higher calling. There's a higher law there. It says He is a living stone. It says as a result. Listen to this. You also as living stones are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Peter is describing the church and he's describing this building. He's describing this temple. He's describing a house. But it's not a house made of physical stone, is it? It's a spiritual house. It's also about building. It's also about constructive too. And that's why we come here. Is because guess what? God is not done with you. He wasn't done with you when you were first born, was He? Last time I checked, most of you are not Six to ten pounds, right? You had some growing to do, didn't you? You didn't come out fully realized when you were born, did you? No, you had to grow as a person. And in the same way, spiritually, when you're born again, God's not done with you. He's not done building His kingdom. He's not done building His church, is He? He's still building And ultimately, the Christian life is about a progress. It's about a growth. And in fact, that's what Peter talks about in chapter 2, verse 2, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the Word that you may grow thereby. We should be a growing people. Stone upon stone. Growing. Constructive. God's not done with us. That spiritual house also had broader implications than just a house. It also took into account a village even. A way of life. He also says that you are a holy priesthood. You know, a lot of times people look at the preacher and they said, hey, he's different from us. But I can assure you I am no different from any of you. And in fact, the Bible says not only am I a priest, But you're a priest. 
Every person in this room is a priest. It is a universal priesthood. God hasn't called anybody to stand between us and God. No man, no woman stands between you and God. Only Christ as mediator. It says we are to offer our sacrifices to God through Jesus Christ. Our lives become that sacrifice. When we sing songs, the very breath in us becomes that sacrifice. When we give, it becomes a sacrifice. In fact, Paul said in Romans 12 that our whole lives are a living sacrifice to God. A royal priesthood. It also describes in prophetic terms, verse 6, Peter looks back to the Old Testament. In fact, he refers back to something that was written almost a thousand years before Christ. And he says, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect and precious, and he who believes on him will by no means be put to shame. Therefore, to you who believe, he is precious. But to those who are disobedient, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. And a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble being disobedient to the word to which they also were appointed. You see, not everyone believes. Not everyone believes in Christ. For some people, when they look at the cross... When they look at the life of Christ, it doesn't make sense. In fact, Paul said this of this, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us it is the power, it is being saved, it is the power of God. Not everyone understands redemption. But we need forgiveness, don't we? And there's a transformation that happens in the life of believers as a result of Jesus being injected into their lives. And this is how the change happens. Look what he says in verse 9. But you are a chosen generation. That's how God looks at you. He has chosen you. He is choosing you now. He is choosing you through His Word, through His love. A chosen generation. This is a a chosen age in which we live in. That we live in the knowledge of Christ. That we live in the knowledge that we are to love our neighbor as ourselves. That we live in the knowledge that we are to do unto others as we would have them do unto us. We live in the knowledge of God. He also says, once again, you're a royal priesthood. That means that you can pray to God. You can intercede for yourself through Jesus Christ. He also says, a holy nation. God's people, God's church, God's kingdom isn't about borders. Thank God for that, right? God's kingdom isn't about walls. God's kingdom isn't about race. God's kingdom isn't about gender even. Paul said there is neither Jew nor Greek, neither bond nor free, for neither male nor female, for you are all one, where? In Christ Jesus. That's the people of God. A special people, it says, a peculiar people. 
You see, when people look at Christians, they should live in a way that's different because our values are different. Our values are different. It also says, here's the point, here's the purpose, to proclaim the praises of Him. That's the reason why the church is the church is because we're here to proclaim that there is a different way. That it isn't, it doesn't have to be a dog-eat-dog world. It doesn't have to be where you put pleasure over principle. It doesn't have to be like that. But we are here to show forth the praises of Him. There's a reason. There's a purpose. There's meaning to life. How do we show forth the praises of Him? Number one, we talk like it. Number two, we act like it. One person said, preach the gospel wherever you go and use words when necessary. 90% of your preaching is how you treat people. Isn't it? Because if you're not treating people right, they don't care what you say. Do they? If I call you a name, are you going to listen to me preach the gospel? If I'm going to treat you, if I'm going to steal from you, are you going to listen to me to preach the gospel? Preach the gospel wherever you go and use words when necessary. He also describes this, you have been called. And really that gets to the word church. It actually comes from a Greek word, ekklesia. And that word called is the root word of that. You've been called out. You've been called out. You've heard the call and you have left the world. And what is in the world? It's darkness. That's what the world offers. Total darkness. But in Christ, there's light. There's illumination. He is the light. Called out of darkness into His wonderful light. We think about these windows in this building. And it's beautiful to see the the sun shine through those windows, isn't it? But we as His people need to be His windows, letting His light shine through us. The light is not derived in me. The light is not derived in you. It's derived in Christ, in His value, in His love, and so on. So church is about God's people, isn't it? So in conclusion this morning, I want you to know that even though our church building is beautiful and effective for worship, for teaching and fellowship, this isn't the church. You're the church. You are His people. And one day, we will leave the building. Not only this morning, but we're going to leave this building that's the world, won't we? In fact, Paul gives us a picture in 1 Thessalonians 4. Listen to this. For the Lord Himself will descend from heaven with a shout and the voice of the archangel and the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Well, that's the church leaving the building, isn't it? And rest assured, one day, just as Christ came to this earth the first time, 
He will come again and claim his kingdom, his church. The only way that this church building can be used for his kingdom is by us doing it. Last time I checked, none of these pews can hug you, can they? (laughs) They may not even be that comfortable, I don't know. I rarely get to sit in them. I'm always up here. But this building isn't capable of loving you, is it? And we could use this building for all kinds of things. We could use it for negative things too, couldn't we? But it's the job of the church to use this resource, this blessing, and responsible stewardship. And this morning, I want to encourage you too, that when you do leave this building, to be His church to act like His church, to live like His church, to live His character. Jesus was the most powerful person that ever walked the earth, but yet He was the most humble. Think about that. And yet we struggle with pride, and pride ain't power. Pride's a false sense of self. To live in humility, to live in mercy, to have the same mind as Christ. Also to bring the gospel to those who are hurting around us. Chances are someone near you, someone in your life is hurting, and they need to be encouraged. They need to be touched. They need to be loved. And that's the work of the church. And also to inspire hope for people. Because without Christ, there actually is no hope for this world. There's no hope. That only in Christ do we have that hope. And Peter says in verse 10 of that chapter, he says, You were once not a people, but now are the people of God. You have not now attained mercy, but have attained mercy. Christ has been so good to us. He is a merciful God. Are you a Christian this morning? The Bible says to become His people, to become His church, to be called out. We have to answer that call. We have to hear the message of Christ and respond to it, to receive His Word. And once we receive that Word in faith and begin to understand that God exists, that God cares about us, that God wants us to know Him through Christ, we begin to live in such a way that's responsible in that way. To repent of sin, to turn from those things that destroy us, that destroy family, that destroy communities. To turn from that and to turn to the light, to turn to Christ, and to confess Him to be the Son of God, and to be baptized, immersed into His church, and then to live accordingly. This morning, if you're not a Christian, if you're not a part of His church, we have a baptistry that can accomplish that. But if you are a member of the church and need prayer of encouragement or healing, we're going to sing this next song to encourage you. So if you have any need, won't you come now as together we stand and as we sing.